Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's webinar, Crafting a Story That Resonates with Nancy Duarte. I'm your host, Tim Woodring. Uh, if you've ever been a part of preparing presenters and their presentations for an event, you're going to enjoy today's conversation from arguably the most influential voice today on storytelling and presentation crafting. Today's webinar broadcast also serves as the launch of our very own unbridled podcast, The Meeting and Events Podcast, where I'll be hosting thought leaders like Nancy and discussing best practices related to meetings and events. So after today's webinar, please subscribe and stay tuned for future podcast episodes. And now, here's the main event. Nancy, thank you so much for joining us today. Nancy Duarte, uh, I honestly, I'm so honored to have you on our first podcast ever. You're our first guest ever, inaugural, uh, for the Meetings and Events podcast. And uh, it's just, it's a true honor. Like, I'm, I'm kind of giddy and nervous at the same time. Well, that's, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> But your work, uh, your book resonate, uh, especially, you know, when I was first getting into meetings events, I came from advertising, getting into meetings events in, in 2013, you know, I, I really had no clue what presentation content was like or what events were all about. And reading that book into 2014, 2015, it honestly, it gave me the knowledge and the skills to have a point of view and to, to bring valuable opinions to our clients as they were, they were asking questions of like, well, you know, what do we do for the presentations? And it gave us the, the skill set and the knowledge, me particularly, to actually feel like I knew what I was talking about there. I mean, I still feel like I'm faking it, but it's such great work. And if, you know, if our listeners, if you guys aren't familiar with Nancy Duarte or uh, Duarte at the company, uh, why don't you just give us a, a real quick overview of what you guys do? Yeah, so... Um you can either work with us or learn from us on how to give the best presentation of your life. So we work with the highest performing and executives in the world and we'll actually create their talks for them. And then what we do is we learn from that experience and we've codified all of the insights into really amazing training that anybody can learn from. So if you want to do it yourself, you can come and be trained and be transformed as a communicator or we will uh, do it for you. So it's, it's fun. Been around for yeah. 32 years now. So, wow. <laughs> I know. Sounds so old. Probably older than, I've probably been in business longer than you've been alive, Tim. No, nope, so. I'm 35. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you guys have clearly, um, you know, put some great materials out there and I would, I would recommend any of our listeners to check it out. Duarte.com. Uh, but you know, one of the things we're learning in this time is that with virtual events, you know, because there's not some of the allure that comes with the live experiences or networking in the same way, um, you know, there's really been a spotlight that's narrowed in on content and having engaging presenters, having engaging content, the skill of the presenters. And so I'd love for you, high level, you know, what do you feel like, what makes a presentation resonate? Yeah, I mean, that, uh, that's a key part of what my um, TED talk is about. And if you think of a really great speech or a really great movie or story, you feel, you, you feel it. And that's this rise and fall of tension that's classic in every story. And so I thought, what is this 
pulsing and rhythm that the greatest speeches of all times have because they do they kind of bring you up and then release and then bring you up and release and i did find a pattern that the greatest speeches and presenters use and it's called the presentation form and it uses contrast where you contrast the gap between what is and what could be what are the current realities and what what do we need to do to have a brighter future it's like what is what could be what is what could be as a structural device um and it it really is transformed formed lives like the people yeah. that are using them are getting really great reports back so it works yeah um, so it's been fun yeah and one of the things i love that you established there is this idea of the call to adventure on the front end you know yeah. and i think that that i think that's so rich because i think that the human experience is one in which we we desire adventure you know we resist change but at the same time we look forward to things or we we don't accept status quo so there's this tension you know, so establish that concept. What is that about? Yeah, so what's interesting is in a three-act structure, there is a threshold you cross between act one and act two, and it's called the call to adventure. And it's this moment where the hero has to decide, hmm, do, do I want to jump in and become a Jedi? <laughs> or do right. I not? Do I want right. to stay? You know, there's this tension of, do I want to jump into this special, this no unknown world, this unknown adventure. And that's what happens to audiences. You know, they're sitting there going, I don't even know if I like Nancy, let alone want to go on an adventure with her, right? They're constantly trying to decide if they want to jump in. Yeah, they're making judgments. Yeah. Yes, they're making judgments. They're trying to decide what's in it for me. Why would I make that kind of sacrifice? You're asking me to spend more time on a project or you're asking me to buy this product or whatever. Or you're asking me to listen. Yeah. 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 And, and so it, it's, um, there's this uh, conflict going on all the time in your audience and that contrast, the, the gap between what is and what could be will suddenly make their current status quo or their current state less appealing and it'll make your future state more alluring if you actually build your presentation um, in a great way. Yeah. Do you feel like that holds up in virtual events? Oh yeah, it does. I think the difference is that you have to um, possibly move back and forth between what is and what could be more rapidly. So picture like if your presentation is a great big candy bar, when you're virtual, you need to break that candy bar into a bunch of tiny Halloween sized candies. It's fun size. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. and then re-excite them. So what's interesting is verbal trumps visual because what'll happen is a lot of people mm. don't turn the camera on because they've got one little earbud hanging out their ear and they're really getting through their email till you say something yep. interesting. Yep. So their biggest competitor is the inbox. So yeah. you have to use your voice. You can have a second guest because the brain reawakens with novelty. So if you have one mm. person speaking and they're like, blah, 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 for an hour, they're tuning out. But you yep. can have a second host. Uh, you could squeal. Like I tend yep. to do that. I'll, I'll, I'll squeal at my own graphics. Like, Just kind I'm of having, bring yeah, valuable in. models. Like if yeah. you're going to ask them to re-engage visually, the, the, the visual better have been worth it, right? Yeah. So when they're a really good model, I'll be like, oh my gosh, this graphic took me so long to do. It's so powerful, right? And just be all excited about my own graphics. Yeah, <laughs> so and you envision them on the other end. They're, they're yeah. tapping back to the presentation at that point. Exactly, they're minimizing. Yeah. You just want to keep getting them to minimize their inbox and, and engage with your content because that's what they're doing. So yeah. Um, yeah, and how you deliver. Do you look in the camera? Do I feel like you see me? Yeah. Like, does the person on the other end presenting to me really see me? Yeah. You know, and, and, and there's been people who've done like canned, like the whole thing's canned. It's all filmed ahead of time. Sure. It's all put in a system. Sure. And I kind of feel like, wait a minute, I had to rearrange my entire calendar to see a videotape of someone. Right. <laughs> you know? and so I can do that it, on my own time. 
Yeah. And, and yeah. that would have been nice, right? Then I wouldn't yeah. have had to spend, have my assistant spend a couple of hours to rearrange a whole entire day for an event. Um, so there's, there's things emerging on best practices on how to host a virtual event and stuff like that. But it, it, it's changed. Every single event company I've spoken with, every single corporate client I've spoken with, they have said there's going to always be a virtual component. All their events moving forward will always be blended. Yeah. Yeah. That's we're a talking deal. a lot about hybrid and, um, you know, kind of having this, this ongoing remote audience or, uh, you know, uh, what it looks like. And I think one of the things we've seen is that, you know, as, whereas before we'd have a stage with a presenter and maybe there's an IMAG shot, you know, uh, yeah. of the presenter speaking, but there were these large graphics, but we don't, I mean, we have this small planar field now that we're playing with and we've got to maximize and optimize that. And so, you know, we've, we've been encouraging people to keep you know, try and do more uh, kind of in-frame graphics rather than going to a full screen. Because as soon as you go to a full screen, you've kind of said, well, the richness of that, that person's body language isn't important, you know? Yeah, so. that's what we're doing. We're, we've been um, deploying uh, some of the classic broadcast kind of technology, the open source broadcast technology, which is all out there. Yeah. Um, so you could still see the human form, which is very important for people to see how the presenter's feeling. Um, we've been doing really cool things with green screen and graphics yeah. floating kind of really forward. And so the person's kind of surrounded and immersed in the yeah. graphics instead of it just being picture in picture. Um, and that, and, and the clients have been really digging that. Um, we have other clients that are, um, you know, full on um, seamless green screen chroma. And then the, they're in, you know, we're transporting them into 3D environments. Um, uh, that's been the ones for the really big, uh, for brands where presentations and how they present is of their massive marketing play. Um, so uh, it's been fun. It's been yeah. really fun. It's pushed us. I mean, it's my company's exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> really I know. Out. Yeah, really yeah. It's, it, it doesn't necessarily seem easier virtual events. Yeah. 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 It's just different, but well, you can change your presentation right before you walk up on stage, but you can't re-render a three D world right, right before you walk on stage or whatever. So, it's it's been interesting. So that that thought brings up a question for me. So a lot of our meeting planners or client stakeholders they ask us, "How do I get my executives to buy in and stop making changes up until the last minute?" Any <laughs> advice on that age-old dilemma? <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Um, I think the nature of the way executives work um, may never change because if you think about it, they're like, mm, I need to prepare my talk for Tuesday, but I also need to save a billion dollar client. Like it, it, you sure. know, when they prioritize everything, they know yeah. that the team they've surrounded themselves with is going to dive and catch. Right. So we've had situations like my team has literally worked in the hotel suite. Yeah. Well, the exec gets to sleep. My team is up. Yep. like working. We even worked uh, last week. There's a large event this week and they worked last week. I had some people work on um, Saturday and Sunday of Thanksgiving week, but they worked the weekend before. Get this. They worked the week before till 2 a.m. to get them ready for the very next morning. They're all up. They get excited. They want to watch and everything they worked on till 2 a.m. was cut. Like it's No like way. They had to have it. it gets, yeah. So it's almost like anybody in this business has to be humble, has to be a servant. Resilient can't get attached to their work, is in service of someone else. It's kind of like redemption, right? You, you, I was reading a um, quote that Michelangelo did. He said, when I hmm. see a piece of marble, 
my job is to set, there's an angel in there and it's my job is to set it free. Wow. And that's what I think my team does, right? They're these communicators that are angels that have these messengers, messages that need to be, you know, in flight. Yeah. And my team just chisels away at the marble. Some of it stays with the angel, you know, and some of it just becomes cutting room floor stuff. And um, we're working on it. Um, we're, we're getting there where we're going to be starting to put red lines in the sand. It's like, oh, you loved that team. You don't hit by this date. You have to go to this team, Yeah. you know, so because you just it's a scheduling nightmare and so disruptive. And um, I, we prefer the clients that are more like partners. And so to be completely honest, seems counterintuitive to do. But right now we're letting we're letting clients go. Yeah. We're letting the ones go that just aren't. Um, that, that are like, I don't care, I'm going to just blow you off. That treat you like a vendor, mostly, right? Well, yeah, either let's yeah. plan the whole thing to be all 100% last minute. Let's just build yeah. your deck in two days and while you're engaged. But if you don't want to do it that way and you want to tumble through time and do all this experimentation, but it, and some are grateful, right? Some are like, oh my gosh, I saw your sacrifice. They sent yeah. Some are just like, they. it's like a terrible marriage or something. They just yep. go right into the next abusive situation with verbally and demanding and demean or whatever. We're like, we don't need that anymore. So we're just, you know, we don't need as much client, as many clients as we have. So yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. weird to say that during a pandemic, but um, that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And, you know, we get asked that question a lot, you know, how do, how do we, how do we safeguard this? How do we get ahead of it? And every year we have great intentions, but when it comes down to it, I think you're right. It's more so the flow of today's business environment and the pressures that creates and the habits that creates in these executives to where the, it, 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 we can't necessarily break the mold. Right. We can't well, break the Well, they won't the get your best work. And I think sometimes you can't, like yeah. if they want to be best, you know, better than, different than, yeah, they're gonna need to let it gestate, right? Yeah. And um, and so they, you know, you went pay. Um, we try to explain all the trade offs. This it could have been this much better next time. But if if that's not a value to you for it to be this much better, no big deal, right? Then we won't yeah. do all this scrambling. So it's it's just like anything. It's about a conversation. Um, it's about a conversation of how to yeah. turn it into a partnership. Yep. So another thing that we, I think that we try and help our clients with and. Um, I think it's it's a struggle for a lot of organizations is not all presenters are created equal or have the same natural aptitudes that that lead them into their presentation style and things like that. So are great presenters born or they can, can they be trained? Um, every great presenter communicates from a sense of purpose. The ones that are really great, they don't communicate from their head. They communicate like from their soul or from their being. Um, so not from so a teleprompter. <laughs> no, but that they, could well, though they can. I mean, yeah, if sure. they're communicating with conviction, if they're skilled at be, it, yeah. yeah, it could be t as long as you it doesn't look like your head's doing the ping, like watching a tennis match. Yep. But um, what happens is, uh, like, I've found that extroverts will just like walk on a stage and be so comfortable with yeah. who they are, they can wing. Yeah. Well, yeah. The audience doesn't necessarily, to your point, we were talking earlier about content is king right now. Absolutely. Uh, it's, vac it's a vacuum. There's no great content there. An extrovert will never walk on a stage and wing it. So if an extrovert can work on how they show up and deliver on a stage, it might drain them for two days to do it. Yeah. I think they're actually the keener. They're more keen in how they communicate. They would never wing it. They're going to bring value. They're going to bring insight. 
Um, and so it's all in the shaping and delivery for an introvert. And for an extrovert, it's all about making sure you don't wing it. Never wing it. Always come prepared with content that's relevant to the audience. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of different advice. Um, and get coaching. Like, I, I mean, not because we have a bevy of coaches, but yeah. yeah, we have a bevy of coaches over here. Yeah. Um, it's like every great athlete has a coach. Like, right. it's, yeah, so they, even though they're a high performer, let's say, they still work with a coach to refine. Yeah. And so I think I have a coach. I have a coach every time I do a big talk, um, especially internal ones. My internal talks are interesting because I'm asking people to change in some way. Sure. And the last time I worked with a coach, I'm like, I think I say funny things and I yeah. think I give bonuses that deserve an applause, right? Or whatever. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, nobody laughs or claps. Let's. So it was all, I was coached. It was all about setup and release, setup and release. She said, oh, it's, if you flip the order of these two things, you'll get a laugh. Oh, if you do. I was like, dang, I had so much clapping and applause that I wound up running 10 minutes long in my talk. In yeah. January, I did, you nice. know, so it's like, and it was awesome. Like I'd never had to now save time for clapping and, yeah. you know, and it was the same kind of content I would do every year. Um, but once I inserted a coach, um, you saw something was, new. It's a different angle. I was stronger. Yeah. 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 So for some of our clients out there, meeting planners, event stakeholders, what, what recommendations would you make? You know, they have a, a presenter, an executive who, who may not be, you know, as skilled. Where should they start with your training or? with a service. Yeah. What's, what's, what's At first the best I was entry thinking, point? Why would an event planner bring in an unskilled? But <laughs> I think sometimes when it's an industry event and, or it's your own event, like yeah. a dream force, right? You're, you have to bring it's a lot, in a lot of times it's executives, you know, right. we, we've got to we present the strategy, you know, or we've got to present a lot of times it's, let's say it's the financials or the operations. Mm. And our, our finance guy is just boring. No <laughs> one wants to hear him. So what do we, what do we do? We've got to have him so, up there, but he's not a great so, presenter. Right. So or she. match them up with somebody, whether it's us or somebody at your team who's a natural storyteller. So that you can kind of what I was just saying, you can be conveying the same information and 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 it impact people to where they remember it and, and the same information where they're like, oh my God, I can't wait for this to be over. Right. So I think it's a lot in the design of the narrative and the coaching and how it's delivered. So if you only have enough budget to hire one thing, have it be a, a story, somebody to uh, we what we do is we have a client uh, send us what they think they want to say. We break it all apart and reassemble it and add, add yeah, yeah, different yeah. shape to Narrative, it. Narrative, right? yep. Yeah, and then the, the same person drama. who does that can coach you. Yeah, yep. add the drama, add the yep. um, bill. And then they can coach you. Um, yep. And we can do that for you. Or you could take a class in story and take a class in being coached with a group. Um, and, it, and it's also very transformative. So I, I would say story and delivery um, are important, though really dense and ugly slides are a massive distraction. Um, what I would do if I was you guys as the event producer, right? If the story's good and they're using their slides as a teleprompter, I'd just turn their slides off. Like if their slides are massively dense and horrible and are adding no value other than like a teleprompter for the speaker, I'd turn them off. And I would encourage the presenter to work on their narrative and their delivery. Um, yeah. And then if a model is on the slide, you know, zoom in on the model. Yeah. But yeah. In some ways I would just, I would turn it off. If I had to make a bet, I would do it on the content and delivery. Yeah. I think that that is too often a crutch for presenters. Yeah. Um, exactly. You know, if they, they don't feel 
comfortable or they hide behind the slides or they use them for their mm-hmm. outline, you know, rather than really having the familiarity. And, you know, it, I think to your point, that sense of purpose, but also if, if it's not valuable to the presenter, valuable enough for them to prepare, then why is it valuable to the, the audience? They can tell. They're smart, you know? I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they can vote with their feet now. Like if you're doing a virtual event, yeah. they, can, they can either leave, you know, yeah. and you could watch. I've been, on, um, I've been at events and you could actually, if they don't hide it on the whatever app you're doing, you can see how many people are yeah, there. Are, you yeah, can see active. them slowly leave. Yeah. I don't actually leave. I just check out and start doing email. Like yeah. I just, you know, but wow, you can really, um, yeah. In physical environments, I was uh, doing a talk at South by Southwest and like 60 people walked into the hall and I'm like, what just happened? Like someone tweeted you were interesting. <laughs> so they left, they got up like yeah. physically. I would feel so bad if I was presenting and people just someone stood left up the and room. Out. But they do, right. they don't have the time or the patience or that. Sure. They don't, they don't want to waste a minute of their time. And if you're not valuable to them, they will literally physically walk out. Yeah. So of some of the virtual events that you've attended, what, what have you seen that has worked? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I, I've um, been to ones I kind of mentioned where it was a videotaped and then I felt kind of like, whoa, that's a bummer. Cause I thought there'd be a live chat or I, you know, sure. I would, and it was so polished and I'm like, that's not real life. It didn't feel real life. Yeah. Like, um, but I think um, some of the things that stood out to me were um, some of the breakout rooms Um, I went, there was this app um, we used at one where it was all CEOs and we had to try to navigate, figure out how to get into this completely different app. And then you could walk around, I could click a button and, and my, and I would pop into a different um, video. That was fun. And it was fun to meet people. The problem was there was no one curating it. There wasn't a topic. Like if I could have popped over to a topic I wanted to talk about and then meet a bunch of people also interested. So there was no curator in in it. So it was kind of like, hi, I'm from Brooklyn. But I love the idea and the concept of that. Um, I think people didn't, you have to plan those almost as much as you have to plan a presentation and to have it be really rich dialogue. Somebody has to manage that process. So I felt like that could have been pretty magical. It was close. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I think um, the, the better ones have been where I could be engaged, where the, you know, either a survey was going on or put your answers into a chat. I Some could privately interaction. Yeah. yeah. And I could see who else was there and I'd be like, oh, it's so good to see you again. Or, yeah. or you know, it's just kind of nice. Like you would pop into a, um, a convention hall and see someone you know, you know, and I like that. Um, but anyway, it's just more personal preference than anything. Yeah. The stronger presenters, obviously, you know, told a story, lured me in, but they're shorter. So if you can picture making something more like a TED, TED length talk yeah. or do three, six and 18 minute talks, it takes more work from the presenter. Yeah. Um, but people just do not have a capacity to do hour long and 90 minutes yeah. just all day long. Um, so they found that like, Instead of doing a conference on a full day, do a conference every Thursday at 10 for a month yeah. or something like it's break it up every Thursday at 10. Yeah. And, and just own a time slot instead of trying to get people to attend and block off their calendar for three days. It's just not going to work. Not with yep. all the work from home and distractions. And stuff like yeah. I think one of the things we're seeing is it's kind of like a second wave of virtual events. The first one mm-hmm. was, you know, let's take our program that, w- that w- we did last year or that was canceled and let's do that agenda. 
it, yeah. to, with some semblance, you know? So maybe it's three days, it's longer days. Even if we cut that to a half day, it's still kind of the same premise, you know? And now I think we're seeing the second wave where, you know, it, it moved from survival where everyone was just trying to figure it out. How do we do virtual events? What does it look like? You know, yeah. um, how do we make it engaging? How do we record the content? How do we get people together? I mean, it was, you know, yeah. it's kind of that the scramble, but now we're seeing people are more savvy. They've attended a lot of virtual events. They know what's working when what's not. Uh, and they want some ideas of how, how do I do something that's engaging now? What are, what's out there? And we're seeing new technologies like wonder and, Gatherly that are, you know, that bring back organic, yeah. yeah, organic networking. And I think that that's, that's a really good principle. What you're talking about with interaction, I think yeah. is really important as well. Yeah. Um, and that we, was the tool where you could go up an elevator and meet other people. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> if I know if I if I have no accountability to this content, and also there's no benefit to listening, what's the point in giving my engagement, my participation, exactly. you know? So exactly. I think I think that's a struggle. Yeah. Um, well, we only have a minute left. What got you into story? What What was the thing that like brought you into it? That's a great that question. That, you know, I, your life I, work. I know. You know, I I I dropped out of high school. I out of college. I got a C minus in speech communication in college and a D in English. And now I write books in English about speech communication. <laughs> so the irony. I I feel like maybe I was always destined to be in this business, but it found me. I didn't pursue it. So very first client, which we still have to this day, was Apple. And Apple was the first to come out big with yeah. presentations. presentations. So, mm -hmm. so that was such a blessing for us. That um, And so at first we did the slides. We didn't do the narrative. So yeah. there was a solid decade of just doing the slides. And then I went on my own journey. I was like, no, 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 most of these presentations. So once we dolled it up, they yeah. were still cruddy. The exactly. delivery, you can't the change. content, yeah. we would sit through it and be like, the slides look great, but the content's a mess, right? Yeah. And that was when I was like, we gotta do something about the content. And I went on my own journey as a CEO for three and a half years. I studied story. I was up at 5.30, 5.30 to noon. I just read everything I could wow. find about story, around literature or cinema, I got the whole thing. and. Really, 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 and epic tales. That's when I came yeah. across Joseph Campbell and yep. all of that stuff. The hero's and, journey. Yeah, and so that's how there's components I can lift from story and apply to different situations now. Fell in love. I tell you, you know, recreating slides was awesome, but my journey around storytelling has transformed me. Yeah. It's transformed me as a human and as a communicator. So that's been probably the most significant thing in my life is to understand I am part of an uber narrative. Yeah. And that's why. That's why storytelling resonates more deeply yeah. than any other communication form. Like we know that absolutely. Now. We pick up fMRI machines to the brain, and we know that our brains are, are wired, wired for story. Yeah. So that's that's definitely um, a big reason of who I've become, who I have. Yeah. Well, and I think that that goes to this idea. I think we all have a story, and the presenters that really resonate know theirs, and they know their purpose in that so yeah that's what I was that's interesting because I kind of started there they communicate from this sense of purpose yeah um and you can tell yeah you can tell when someone does that yep well Nancy thank you so much for your time it's it a fun, true too. honor and I just I love everything you do and I hope that uh you get some new fans and followers uh wow. through this podcast so thank you again so much thank you, thank you. it was fun 
Well, I hope you enjoyed today's meetings and event podcast with Nancy Duarte. Please subscribe to our podcast to get tuned in to the latest and greatest in the world of live events. We'll be connecting with other industry experts and sharing best practices as we cover topics across the meetings and events spectrum. In the meantime, we wish you all the best. Be well, seek good, and bye for now.